0: Scientists have been doing research into many areas of autism spectrum disorder in a hope to help explain the doubling of the prevalence rate over the past decade. Environmental risk factors is one of those areas of research that is showing some promising details in our understanding of autism spectrum disorder. You're listening to Reach MD. I'm Paul Rikuski, your host, and with me today is Craig Newshafer, PhD, Professor, Director of the A.J. Drexel Autism Institute and Associate Dean for Research at the Drexel Dornsife School of Public Health. Welcome, Dr. New Schaefer. Thanks, glad to be here. I find this topic very, very interesting. My personal experience is my child that has autism was born five weeks premature, low birth weight. He's 15, almost 16 now, but at the time, typical pregnancy going through the process, and then at one of our standard ultrasounds, they said you have very low ambiotic fluid. And took my wife in for emergency ultrasounds, put her in the hospital on bed rest and had to do an emergency C-section. And he was born at three pounds, 14 ounces. And one of our biggest challenges was we were told developmental delays. We're going to see developmental delays. And they didn't really say autism and we didn't get a diagnosis until we were close to four because – Everyone was worried about the developmental delays, and we saw them, but they weren't correlating them to autism. They were putting it to the the preterm pregnancy. Right. So very interesting in trying to figure out, you know, specifically why. So we didn't have any risk factors until we got to the very end of the pregnancy. We're in eight and a half months, and then we're having a problem. Uh, at that point.
1: Right, yeah. And I mean and and preterm birth, again, there's been a little bit of evidence bouncing back and forth, but most of the studies are showing risk and you know there doesn't have to be any other pregnancy problems. It seems like that's an independent risk factor, but what does that really mean? There's so many things that go into the the study of risk factors for preterm birth is wildly complicated. Infection is linked to preterm birth. There's been some links between infection and autism. So you know it's it's a very challenging area. I mean I think that when it comes to those pregnancy complications, whether you're talking about early complications or something that doesn't really manifest until a preterm delivery, even there might have been something else going on that just was not detected through conventional surveillance. You know, the interesting thing is is what I tried to get at, and that answer was a little a little convoluted is there are so many different pregnancy complications, but all of them tend to contribute to this association we see with general suboptimality problems and autism risk. And what could be the common downstream pathways of that? You know, is it something that's related to Oxidative stress response. You know, you know, there are so many things. Is it cytokine mediated? There are so many things where we could look for potential common pathways, and that would, of course, be the easy answer and the exciting answer if there was some downstream common pathway that we could then think about. Intervening on, of course, the other answer is that these could all be separate pathways that are that are adding a little bit to the risk, you know, and that's kind of the way things are going on the on the genetic side of things. The condition appears to be so multifactorial and so complex. On the environmental side, it would be nice if we had a common pathway. Are we going to land there? I don't know.
0: Yeah, everything I've been reading and everything I've been hearing in all of my interviews is the complexity of the diagnosis is even more so than originally thought. That. How many genes have we, it's over 100 genes have now been identified right. that, are, that could be causal. And is it a specific combination? Is it like this? these subset of that 100 are greater weighting towards an autism diagnosis than these other ones that if you had like five or six of these, that would equal like one of this gene, you know, things like exactly. that. There's just a lot of factors going into, into this right now.
1: Right. And the challenges for the researchers are if you just think about it as a numbers game, you know, when you're talking about if you want to study one thing and you have exposed and unexposed and fairly high prevalence of, of individuals in those two states, you know, you can power and design a study fairly easily. But once you start talking about, you know, multiple combinations of factors, just the sheer numbers that you need to be able to look at those combinations in any kind of organized way is, is, is staggering. And on the genetic side, you know we're starting to be able to do that because it's relatively cheap and easy to you know, take a blood sample and have the whole genome right there and gain the numbers, and and then be able to do the statistical things that you need to do to kind of unpack those complicated genetic interactions. But when you look at the environment, you know, and you want to measure, you know, a thousand environmental exposures, very challenging measurement problem. And part of what people who work in this area are trying to do is to see if there are easy biomarkers of environmental exposures that we can sort of analogous to what we can do with the genome. Can we take a you know, sample of blood and look for signatures of a whole myriad of environmental exposures and that way be able to gain the kinds of efficiencies and study size? So it's like this field of exposomics that's just getting off the ground and it's extremely early days for that field. But we're going to need something like that, I think, I fear, to be able to really understand what's going on on the environmental determinant side of autism.
0: Yeah, because one of the things I was talking about, like you're based in the Philadelphia area, the environmental factors when it comes to food supply, water supply, and air can be very different than someone who lives in the Midwest that has different impacting factors that fall in those same areas than someone that's on the west coast or someone that's in europe or latin america like correct there's such a complexity of what happens in the environment the our actual environment that we live in that could be such a contributing factor to autism
1: right exactly so if you want to study air pollution that that variation is useful right you need to have variation to be able to study it but if at the same time other environmental factors are also covarying. That's a nuisance. You have to be you have to be able to control for that in some sort of way. And then again, you layer on other potential risk factors, and the complexity of the statistical problem is non-trivial. And, and those are the kinds of things that we're trying to suss out right now. So it's um, keeping us busy. That's for that's for sure. And and I wish you know I do interviews like this. I wish I had more concrete answers or at least you know, clues that, I, that that we could put out there. But right now we're still really getting started in this in this field. Well, as we
0: all know, autism is a puzzle, and it's a lot of pieces that come together, and these environmental factors are showing to be more pieces in that puzzle than was originally thought of when, as you said, in the 80s and 90s, everyone was looking internally, looking at genes. And before that, they were looking at just cognitive, and now – in this century, we're seeing environmental factors that are being, oh, well, let's look at the data that we did in the 80s and 90s, and that's continuing in that area, and how do these interrelate with each other? Oh, and there is a cognitive aspect and element to it. How do we then bring educators and child psychologists into the mix to help with these different symptoms that we're seeing biologically, and how can we help offset them since there's not a medical answer at this point?
1: Right. Absolutely. Well,
0: thank you very much for your time. Um, I would definitely love to have another opportunity to talk to you some more about this and other topics that, that I know that you guys are doing down at Drexel. Sure. Love to do it. My thanks again to my guest, Craig Neuschafer, Ph.D., professor, director of the A.J. Drexel Autism Institute and associate dean for research at the drexel Dornsife Seif School of Public Health. We've been discussing autism spectrum disorder. Be sure to visit our series at ReachMD.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. I've been your host, Paul Rakuski, and thank you for listening.